I have an experiment, as always. Did anybody else hear that? That wasn't my experiment, but something just went... Anyway, I kind of liked it. Um, My experiment is this. Raise your hand when you know what song I am referencing. Now, this is part of my eternal battle with quite a few people. I believe that songs are everywhere and that they should be sung. But anyway, if I do, this is going to be, this is going to be sound really bad. I just apologize. Um, It's going to sound bad. Dun, 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 dun. Come on now. Somebody there? What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, he said it sounded like the Mission Impossible theme. And I did. How many notes? And he's exactly right. I just love it. Um, exactly right. I remember the first time I saw the show Mission Impossible. I, Peter Graves. Now, I probably saw this in the, the, the reboot of it back in the late 80s. I think the original series aired before I was around. But the um, Peter Graves, I mean, that deep voice. And I just, oh man, I remember that song, you know, it was so like, you just wanted to jump in the TV show and just kind of go along. It's like, okay, I'm there. I'm with you. That song inspired me. I just was like, yes, I will go. I will do this thing. But what I liked most about it was was the mission. It came in this little device and your mission should you choose to accept it and I was like oh yes I will I will accept this I'm so I'm so pumped um, this mission if you choose to accept will be this we will disavow if you get caught that we know who you are we will not help you out um, you're on your own it's just you and your team going out to defeat the most gnarly criminals just you and your team and then those, oh man, the words, this message will self-destruct in five seconds. And I, I think I remember the first time watching the show because I said, this is going to be awesome. This thing is going to like blow up. And so I waited for it and was both disappointed and amazed when this little smoke came out. And whatever the message was had been incinerated, but it was just a puff of smoke. I was like... Well, that was kind of, you know, that wasn't the blow up that I wanted as a, as a young boy, but it still was pretty, pretty cool. I mean, I was just like, this thing just like disappeared. And then the little few, oh man, I'm telling you, I loved that show. The movies, meh, I watch them because there's cool stunts. Um, and the crazy things they think of are pretty cool, but. Tom Cruise is no Peter Graves. I'm just going to say that. Um, anyway, I digress. The the mission that they would take, that they would go on each and every episode, each and every movie, you just knew it was going to turn out, but you knew there would be struggles. But they accepted that mission. They went on that mission. We've been looking in the Gospel of Matthew over a period of about two years, I'm going to say, maybe even a smidge longer than that, we have been just kind of slowly working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. 
And today I'm going to pick that thread back up. I'm going to pick that thread back up in chapter 10. If you remember, the Gospel of Matthew, it starts off with the birth narrative and there's the, you know, the wise men and all of that um, come in Matthew and then there's the temptations of Jesus and then Jesus ends up on the, the sermon, the, the mount where he sits down and begins to talk and that takes up five chapters and we spent a ton of time talking about the sermon on the mount and then he goes out and begins to display who he is and kind of begins to describe his mission. Chapter 10 is kind of a shift in Matthew's gospel. A shift where Jesus begins not to just show the disciples and the people of Israel and the surrounding nations of who he is and what he's about. He begins to empower his disciples and begins to give them what you maybe could call the lesser commission. I mean, I don't know why you would call it that. We have the great commission. This would be the the just as great, but not so known, the lesser commission that Jesus gives to his disciples. It still is an amazing commission. And we're going to pick this up and look at this verse, this this section of scripture today about Jesus sending out his disciples. And our challenge today is going to be for us is to realize that we too can be fearlessly equipped to answer God's call. In Isaiah, the Lord famously says, you know, there's no one to send. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? That call is still there in our lives today. There still is a call from God, a call for the gospel to go out. And today we're going to look at this. So I invite you to open your Bibles to chapter 10, the 10th chapter of Matthew, as we begin to explore how we can be fearlessly equipped. And so there's one thing that I want you all to say to get a little bit of energy going in this building with me today. Um, Today we're going to learn how we can be equipped for mission with no fear. I think that's what I remembered most is that There was never any fear in the IMF team. There was never fear in their team. They just went out and took on this mission. And sometimes I I get afraid that when I hear the mission that God wants me to go on, that my first response is, yeah, no thanks, God. So today we're going to learn how we can be equipped for mission with no fear. Say that with me. Equipped for mission with no fear. Now say it like you mean it. Equipped for mission with no fear. All right. So I invite you to follow along. Um, I'll be putting some of the important verses up there, but if you have an app or a Bible um, that you would like to follow along, it would be... It would be awesome to do that. This is beginning in verse 1 of chapter 10. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Is anybody feeling a little bit jealous? Man, I just look and say, okay, my fear level might go down if I came and Jesus equipped me to have power over unclean spirits, 
to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. That is, that is some tools in your tool belt. I mean, that is good stuff right there. So Jesus equips the disciples. And skipping down to verse 5, this is where the mission kind of gets going. These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor a bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. For a worker is worthy of his food. Jesus equips. There's that, that saying that gets a little bit overused and is a little bit, I don't know, sounds corny, but I, I love it nonetheless. Where Jesus doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Where Jesus does the equipping. And here in this story, we see that Jesus equips his disciples to go out. But I want to focus in on verse Eight, the last half of verse 8. This little phrase, freely you have received, freely give. What is it that they have received? Is the question I asked myself when I was seeing that. What is it that they've received and what is it that they're getting? Now, here is an amazing truth about this. Do not miss in this small little phrase, the reference to a free gift. When I say free gift, you're likely to think of the free gift of salvation. In this little phrase is a reference to how God has equipped his people. Because it is through the grace of God and the grace of God alone that he has equipped them. It is a free gift. That is the grace of God. But here is something that is important to remember when we talk about grace. I mean, here at this church, it's in our name, Grace Point. We talk about grace and we need to understand this. And I always like to point out, because I think sometimes grace in our minds gets only 50% or less of the power that it has in our lives. So often I think we just fall on the fact of it is God's grace that forgives me. I have been forgiven through the grace of God. I do not deserve it, but I have been forgiven. But that's only half of what grace is in our lives. That's only half of what grace is in our lives. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 15 says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. So what that's saying is, I worked hard, but it really wasn't me. 
but the grace of God that was with me. When God gave them these, these tools, when God equipped them through, through his grace, it wasn't just saying, you are a bunch of no good for nothing fishermen, you're a bunch of kids, you do not deserve this. God's grace said, wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to take you in and you can follow me around. I'll be your rabbi. You can be my disciples. I will teach you my way. I will show you these things. I will overlook your faults. I will just accept you as you are. It did not stop there. God's grace came into these people, came into these 12 men, maybe even more than that. Maybe it came into the hordes that followed them, the, the other disciples that are referenced in the Bible, but we don't know all of their names, the men and women who followed Jesus as disciples. Maybe they also received some of these things as well. But Jesus here, and certainly God, offers that same grace to us today. That same power is offered to us today. It is God's grace that equips us. It is God's grace that gives us the power to do anything. When these 12 men left on this journey, when they left to follow God's command to go out into the house of Israel. It was the grace of God that gave them the power to face the trials that were coming. It is God's grace in our lives today that accepts us just as we are. But all of us know that if God just accepted us where we are, he would be a cruel and unusual punishment kind of a situation. God's grace doesn't leave us where we're at. God's grace comes in and by his grace alone gives us the power to do things that we cannot do. God's grace is what equips us to live as disciples. It's God's grace that equips us to live as disciples on a mission. It is God's grace alone that equips us to do this. And we see that here in this verse. Freely you have received Freely give. Verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper or money. Don't provide stuff for that. What God is saying here is you do not need to provide. I will provide. God provides in this journey that we are on, in this journey for us today as we are challenged to not just be the church in this building, but be the church in our community. It's God's grace alone and God's provisions alone that will give us what we need to go out and just share what we know about Jesus. To share and be a part of that. God's grace alone equips us for the mission. So let's look at the mission. The description of the mission covers the next about, I don't know, 15 verses. And as I read and read them over, it was a bit, it's pretty heavy stuff. Because the mission that God describes is much like the missions of IMF Mission Force. It's pretty, it sounds pretty daunting. Just kind of going from verse 11 to verse 31, really, but just kind of looking at this, Jesus talks about, you may go into a city where they accept you. Great. You may go into a city where they don't. Not great. Get out, leave. Or in the words of the Bible, 
quoted by Taylor Swift, shake it off. Um, the, that, I mean, that's what the Bible says. Just want to point that out. Um, where, where is that? Where is that? Shake it off. It, oh, right there it is. Verse 14. Um, depart that house. Shake off the dust. Shake it off. Okay? Walk away. Taylor Swift, she's on to something. I don't necessarily agree with everything she's on to, but she's on to something here. God has told the disciples, there's going to be problems, but if there is, just shake it off and move forward. But it gets worse than that. Because he's sending you out as sheep to where there's going to be wolves. We know how wolves treat sheep. It says, beware of men that are going to come and capture you and take you before councils. That sounds like capture. But I'll tell you right here, that's where the analogy stops because God does not disavow or pretend like he doesn't know who we are. But it gets worse than that because he's going to verse 21. It's now brother will deliver a brother to death. Father, his child and children will rise up against parents, children. Knock it off. Okay. And cause them to be put to death. Parents, the kids aren't killing you, really. I mean, they're killing you, but not really. Okay. Um, Family strife. This is going to be an issue. You will be hated. You'll be called of the house of Satan, of Beelzebub. All of this is there. This sounds like an awful mission. But here is the cool thing. Wherever there is mission, there is a message. And we need to go back and talk about the message. The message is found in verse 7. Verse 7 says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Over the past few weeks, Pastor Wall has been working through the kingdom of heaven with us. We've been talking about that. And the kingdom of heaven is at hand is always... I've always struggled with that because what does that mean? The kingdom of heaven is at hand because I look and I'm like, the kingdom of heaven, it's not here yet. I mean, come on, isn't the kingdom of heaven heaven? I mean, we, 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 I get caught up in that and I'm like, I just don't get it. Oftentimes in the, in the, in the Bible and prophecy in the Old Testament and stuff, they will, people, people like to nitpick and say, well, they don't mention this kingdom or, or kings, but a lot of times in prophecy in the Bible, the king, the name of the king is kind of the reference to his kingdom. Or the name of the kingdom references the king. Now, if we just, apply that to the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I would say it's not about the kingdom of heaven. It is about the king of heaven. The king of heaven was at hand. Jesus was in their midst. And I believe that the people of that day should have recognized that what Jesus was saying was that, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Therefore, the king must be near. Jesus is the king. Of the kingdom, 
We need to know the king of the kingdom. And so that was the message that they went out with, was knowing that Jesus was this king. The message that they had to send out as they were going along this journey that was going to be challenged. I mean, we've talked about that already. The challenges, there was going to be challenges. How often do we feel like those challenges are still very real in our life? But here's here's the beauty of it. God did not say, hey, go. And man, there's going to be some surprises for you along the way. Now, God laid it out and said, here's what to expect. Here's what to expect so you can know, be prepared for what you're going to do, how you're going to respond to that. Jesus showed the way. Jesus mentioned the obstacles that the disciples were going to face. Google Maps does not. A week and a half ago, I had the opportunity to take a day off to go out into the kingdom to go out into the glorious countryside that we get the privilege to live nearby and to fish on a high mountain lake that I never fished on Um, when we arrived there there was even snow around it was high enough that some snow from some of the previous storms was still there a little bit but Google Maps does not say Here's the way and the challenges. So in order to save 20 minutes, we decided we would follow the straightest and shortest distance to get to our glorious destination. Um, This was our destination. That little lake right there in the middle, down in that little valley, um, was where we were headed. And Google Maps said, you can save yourselves 20 minutes if you go this way and don't go to Tahoe and then up the backside. If you just go straight across, uh, it'll save you 20 minutes. What Google Maps did not tell us about was about the roads that we would be taking, the condition of these roads. Google Maps did not tell us at some point I'm going to send you on something that isn't even really a road. It's mostly used for um, power line management. Um, it's a road that has been built in with those erosion. If you've ever gone back into the mountains, maybe you've seen the roads where they put these erosion control mounds you know, that you kind of have to go over. So Google Maps did not say, hey, on your journey to go fishing this week, you're going to encounter these mounds. And oh, by the way, you're going to high center your car on one of them. (laughs) Google Maps did not mention that at all. But there we were in a four-wheel drive. I mean, not a true four-wheel drive kind of vehicle. This is a four-wheel drive SUV. But here we are, towing a drift boat trailer through these forest service roads over these mounds where we are certainly, every time the oil light doesn't go on because we've ripped the oil pan off, um, every time that doesn't happen, I get pretty excited as we've gone over these hills. But on the second to last hill, we high center the car. 
we keep talking about adventure because that's what it is. We were having an adventure and we did that, but we high centered the car and it took us about a half an hour to figure out how to get out of that mess. Um, but then because we're crazy and the option was either turn around and go home or take two and a half more hours to get to where we're going or go over. Once we got unhigh centered from that mound, we took five more tries to get over that mound um, because we wanted to get to where we were going because it was about the adventure. And eventually, through some timely placing of rocks and other things, we were able to get over that mound without high centering the car again, get over the next one and continue down the road. Um, the rocky, boulder kind of a road over the mountains to this amazing lake. When we arrived at the lake and we're unloading the boat, we noticed that in the process of doing all of this, we had ripped off the back half of the trailer, kind of. Um, a, a metal bar that was attached to pieces that are welded onto the trailer was completely missing. A stand, uh, a ledge on the trailer, if you will, right behind the wheel well, was completely gone. The license plate, this bar, was all strewn about somewhere along this road. We got there and we realized that not only had we high-centered the car, we had just about ripped off the back half of the trailer. Google Maps did not inform us of the trials that we would face that day. Jesus informs us of the trials that we will face. Jesus lets us know that, hey, you're going you're gonna to see problems and whatnot. But here's the thing. It's because it's not about the destination so much. It's about who we're going to be with. And when we got there to this beautiful lake, we still were excited to be there. I mean, but look how gorgeous that is. Not the two ugly dudes in the front, but the background. I mean, that pristine lake. It was awesome. The experience was amazing. I loved every second of it. And even... The fact that we had all those problems, especially because it wasn't my car or my trailer or my boat. <laughs> anyway, um, Eddie, if you're watching this or come back to listen to this at some point, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, but it was it was a great time and it was worth every minute of getting out there because it was an adventure. Each struggle that we had made each moment on the lake that much more precious. And it still was a fantastic day, even though I did not hook one single fish. It still was a glorious day. When we are on the mission of Jesus Christ, every day, no matter the challenges we face, no matter what it is that comes our way, we are in a glorious place. We are working for Christ. But here is the kicker. Even in all of those bad things that we're going to have, that are going to happen, there's Commands in there of do not fear. As we are looking at this, this call and how it works in our lives today, we can see that we can face these trials, the trials that we're going to be put in front of courts and have to give testimonies, the fact that our, our families may turn against us when we go on this mission, the fact that we'll be hated because of who we're talking about, the fact that we'll be called names because of who we're talking about, the fact that people will try to kill us in those, in those conditions, in that journey. Three times, God tells us, Jesus tells his disciples, 
And God tells us today, do not fear. The first one in verse 19. But when they deliver you up, do not worry. Do not worry. When you are delivered before the courts, when you are delivered before these people to give testimony, the disciples were told, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. That is the grace of God speaking through us again. It is the grace of God giving us power in those times. It's the grace of God to forgive us, but not just stop there. It's the grace of God to move us forward and to give us the power so that we can face these times when we are like, I have no idea what to say to you, but through the Spirit, I can speak. Verse 26, another command. Therefore, do not fear. This is when they're calling them names, saying that they're of the house of Beelzebub. But it goes on to say, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and nothing hidden that will not be known. Jesus is going to uncover the motives of the people. But as I was reading this, the thought occurred to me, every time I've heard that phrase, I feel like I've always read it in the negative. But I just was like, what if there's double meaning here? What if Jesus is also saying, okay, the people who are accusing you, all of that's going to be uncovered and unhidden. But what if Jesus is also saying, listen, don't fear because the mystery of Christ, the mystery of who I am, that will be uncovered. At the cross, Jesus uncovered the mystery of what his mission was all about. It was revealed. What if this is not just about the, the, the negative motives, but what if this is about the fact that Jesus, in those times when he needs to, is going to reveal himself and make what is hidden known? Again in verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't fear those who can come and attack you. Now I found this interesting as I was looking at different versions. You know, a lot of versions have the titles. And the King James in this section, uh, the New King James Version in this section has Jesus teaches the fear of God. And I'm not discounting that. It's there right in the next line, but rather fear him. Okay, it's there. But then there was another version that on the same section just talked about do not fear. But here, here's the cool thing about this. We're told many times not to fear, but rather to fear him who is able to destroy us completely. Okay, that, that sounds like fearful. It's like, okay, I get it. That's somebody who should be feared. But in that moment, it's not just saying, fear me because I'm going to do that to you. This is where the beautiful verse, if you walk out in our hall, there's that big yellow bird. And beside it is a text that talks about how God is watching the birds. And here in verse 29, right after this command of fear him who is able to destroy you completely, Jesus says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin. And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. 
The very hairs of your head are all numbered. I sometimes feel like God is using me for a little counting relief. Bald person joke, whatever. The very hairs of your head are numbered. But then it goes on to say, do not fear, therefore. Do not fear, for you are of more value than the sparrows. The people who we shouldn't fear, who can't hurt us, but we shouldn't fear, they can't really hurt us. But the one who can is the one who's saying, do not fear because you are more important to me than sparrows. You are more important to me. Therefore, because of that, because the most powerful person, God of the universe is on your side, you can be equipped for the mission with no fear. Do not fear. As God has called us to be disciples. As God has called us to be his hands and feet. We need to trust and know that we have been equipped for mission with no fear. We can leave this place knowing that God's grace is going to work through us in the moment that we need it. We can leave here knowing that God counts us more valuable than sparrows. That the God who created us and breathed life into us is going to be there with us on this mission, just as he was with the disciples. We can know that God's grace is with us. We have been equipped for a mission with no fear. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that your grace is there for us. We thank you that you have called us to be your disciples. But God, I pray. God, I pray that as we answer that call, we will answer boldly. We will answer knowing that you are there with us. And it's not us that's working. It is your grace working in us, making our feeble efforts have any sort of meaning. So God, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that as we answer that call, as we leave here, that we will remember that we will remember the the moment that your message was revealed that your mission was revealed and so God today we want to proclaim your sacrifice your loving sacrifice we want to proclaim that you came and died and most importantly Lord that you came and rose again and that that same power can live within us. So today, may we remember the power of Jesus and the power of his cross.
his death and resurrection in our lives. We ask these things in the saving name of Jesus. Amen.